Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloane. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 103 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast where Captain is King, Marissa is Queen, and I am Bethany Finger. Today's special guest is Patreon member Madeline, and we are actually going to discuss the first 13 pages of Fairest. Yay, so excited. This is crazy. We're talking about Fairest already. I know. I forget about it all the time, even though I read it a few years ago. <laughs> I know that you're supposed to read it in between Crest and Winter, but I get done with Crest and I'm like, no, I need Winter. <laughs> oh, yeah. I read it after I finished all of it, I think. I was just like, oh, what is this? More Lunar Chronicles. <laughs> Marissa is like, you're going to cover it in between Crest and Winter, right? And I'm like, I don't know. It's hard to. And she's like, well, it's book 3.5. So and I'm like, I know. <laughs> You're in charge. If you ask, I shall do. <laughs> <laughs> so, Madeline, this is your first episode on the podcast podcast. Yes. Do you want to tell everyone about your journey with Marissa Meyer and how you found her books? Um, sure. So I don't have anything like particularly notable. I uh, just kind of saw the book around. I kept seeing it. And for some reason, the description didn't appeal to me. And I was like, well, it's just the same as Cinderella, just with like cyborg stuff. And I don't know. And so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I just kept seeing it, and I was, like, in a library, and I had nothing to read, and I was like, well, I've been seeing this thing, and, you know, I like fairy tales, and I'll just pick it up and try it, and I started it, and I wasn't sure how I felt about it, I was like, mm. but then, as per usual with me, I was reading, and I got addicted, and could not stop, and, like, stayed up super late reading it, and just, it was insane, it was so amazing, so... And then I don't even know how quickly I finished it, but I read all of them in quick succession. And of course, when I started Scarlet, I was like, where is Cinder? It's so boring. I don't care about this person. (laughs) As we all did. (laughs) Yes. And then when you mentioned that it was only like 30 pages, I was like, that does not compute. I was was stuck with Scarlet for forever before Cinder came back. (laughs) I definitely felt the same way the first time I read it. And then going through it for the podcast, I was like, it was only 30 pages pages man I'm dramatic yeah it's I mean it's so hard to wait because they all end on or at least cinder ends on such a big cliffhanger so it's like you just want to know what happened but you don't want to skip things because you know that's not how you're supposed to do it so but yeah so I I have read pretty much everything like that she's written I've read heartless and renegades and everything so I just I love her writing, and I think Lunar Chronicles is probably my favorite book series of all time. So I have, I just love the way like she paces everything. Like there's never slow parts in her books, and my personality, I have to be entertained at all times, and so her books definitely do that because they're just so suspenseful. So she's definitely probably my favorite author, if not just one of them. She's always on the top of the list, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you currently reading at the moment? I'm actually reading Instant Karma right now because, Yay! yes, um, I don't know why I didn't get around to it. I think it's because I just had like so many other things and I just wasn't sure because it was so, I'm not really somebody who likes to read like modern realistic books. I like to be in fantasy worlds and not the real world because fantasy worlds are more fun and so it was like oh a high school thing and I'm like uh I mean I'm sure it's great because it's Marissa but like high school I'm in high school I don't like that kind of stuff and so I was I always knew I wanted to read it it just took me a little longer but now that I'm into it I'm pretty close to the end probably like 80% through and I love it it's awesome she can make anything interesting even if it's just like high school stuff in the real world but it's great I love it I love it too and I was gonna do a bonus episode on Patreon and then I got invited to I think five different other podcasts who were covering Insta Karma and they were oh like you have to be our guest because you're the Marissa Meyer girl and I was like <laughs> yes and now I'm just like okay go check out all of those episodes <laughs> yes. like, I don't need to talk 
said it again until we cover it in five years. <laughs> in five years, exactly. Um, speaking of covering things in five years, uh, the <laughs> Ferris book schedule, there's not chapters. So yes. it's a little uh, convoluted, I guess. It, it's going to be from one crown symbol to the next. Okay. But I did go through the entire book to make sure that what we're covering stays relevant and, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't jump too far forward or too far back. So for today, we're covering pages 1 through 13. Next week, we're going to cover pages 13 to 30. Um, and if you want a full schedule of each page that we're going to do for each episode, you can go to the website or Instagram or you can just listen. And at the end of the episode, I'll tell you like, hey, next week, it's these pages. So yeah, what am I currently reading? I'm currently reading Hidden Demons by Abigail Spagari, which is the Ooh. third book in the Daughter of the Moon trilogy. And um, about 45 minutes ago, I had like a squeal moment because she sent me <laughs> she sent me a signed copy. Oh my goodness. So she's a Patreon member. That's yes. Yes, queen. Yes, she is. And I was Beautiful so excited. Friend. Like I, I went to open it and the box was like double taped. And my, it was in an Amazon box. And my husband was like, what'd you order? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, so it made me so happy. So thank you, Abigail. I'm super excited. Yay. I feel very special. <laughs> and now you have time to read. You're not just reading textbooks all the time. <laughs> just being nice. I'm like specifically making time to read because I just, I can't. I know that school is important, but <laughs> I just, I miss reading too much. I have to give myself oh, at least yes. 20 minutes a day, you know? It's so therapeutic. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where you can just get lost in it. And it's so, like, relaxing and fueling. And it's so nice. It is. I agree. Makes me happy. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some Fan Art Friday. Yay! Oh, you guys, I have so much amazing fan art for Ferris. I can't even. (laughs) (laughs) We're starting out on a high note. This first one oh, is yes. from April 23rd. It is by Cosmic Nova Flair, who is also a lovely Patreon member. And it is just so poetic. It's like a grayscale, mm-hmm. black and white. Um, and it's Lavana sort of hiding her face and her crown is falling apart while it falls off of her head. Um, and it's such a heartbreaking and like satisfying (laughs) moment you deserve it right (laughs) we don't like you (laughs) we really don't i it's it's amazing how much shading and how much depth there is to it especially since there's just black and white and like different shades of gray and stuff i am not a professional artist but i draw things sometimes and this is just like i mean it's so amazing, regardless of, like, what it is to me that people can draw things without, like, reference pictures, because I have to look at pictures and, like, get inspiration, and the fact that you could just, like, bring something out of your head without anything to base it off of and just put it on paper is, like, amazing to me. Absolutely. This, yeah. This is such, like, a unique, like, scene and pose that it was just so creative for her to draw her this way. And it like, it fits her a lot. It fits this book very well. Like this feels like the mood of the book or at least of the first chapter. That's partly why I picked it because I feel like it helps us set a tone for what we're going to be experiencing over the next six months. Yeah. Like you could interpret this in so many ways, like all kinds of metaphors and different meanings for what she's going through in the crown breaking or even just like which scene in the books, this could be kind of, referencing like this could be what she was feeling during some of the scenes it's so interesting and it's beautifully done too yeah and I love when the art is like thought-provoking yes yes definitely absolutely so big thank you to Cosmic Nova Flare for sharing that and you can check out more of her artwork on Instagram as always we're gonna start with the forward so the forward for fairest Fans of the Lunar Chronicles know Queen Lavana as a ruler who uses her glamour to gain power. But long before she crossed paths with Cinder, Scarlet, and Cress, Lavana lived a very different story, a story that has never been told until now. Marissa Meyer spins yet another unforgettable tale about love and war, deceit, and death. 
Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and I have to read the dedication. Oh, it's so cute. Oh my God. So the dedication of this book. This book is for the Reeners, the Lunartics, the fans. Thank you for taking this journey with me. You're welcome. Oh, it's for us, guys. <laughs> so happy. It's so, and like, she used Lunartic, which I love. Like, I use that to, like, refer to myself at times. And so it's so cool that she, like, used our actual phrase. <laughs> I love it so much. It makes me just beyond happy. Um, like, <laughs> Ugh, just so good. Okay, so it starts out with a quote, mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? Snow White, stepmom, get it? Of course, of course. <laughs> you couldn't use anything else for Lavana's no, it's, it's perfect. And it's perfect. you guys, this opening quote, uh, this opening paragraph. It's so cool. I'm going to read it and then we're going to talk about it because it is so extra. I love it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She was lying on a burning pier, hot coals beneath her back. White sparks floated in her vision, but the mercy of unconsciousness wouldn't come. Her throat was hoarse from screaming. The smell of her own burning flesh invaded her nostrils. Smoke stung her eyes. Blisters burbled across her skin and entire swaths of flesh peeled away, revealing raw tissue underneath. So in case anyone is like, hmm, that sounds kind of familiar. It is. That is word for word. The exact same as Cinder, page 76, describing her dream. I feel like we need a round of applause. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Like, that was ingenious to do it that way. Like... Oh, so brilliant. Let's already connect Cinder and Lavana's hit to the readers. Like, keep keep mm-hmm. an eye out. There's a lot of similarities going on. Because they do that all the time. Like, throughout all of the books, they're constantly drawing parallels. Cinder is doing it with herself. She's always saying, oh, that was something Lavana would have done. Or just like, mm-hmm. am I becoming like her? And it's like such... It's, it's perfect. I mean, that's how a hero and villain should be, right? Just like paralleling right. each other and seeing like how their decisions turn them down different paths. But it's Marissa does it so masterfully and it's just, oh, it's insane that she included that detail. It makes me so, 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 so happy. <laughs> ah, okay, so <laughs> the imagery of this is amazing. So she's having this dream She's pleading for death. She reaches out with her good hand, mm-hmm. and, but the coals crush her and she collapses under the weight of the embers and the smoke and the fire. Kind eyes and a smile flicker into view and a finger curls towards her and it says, come here, baby sister. Uh, this is so creepy, you guys. Mm-hmm. Very um, creepy. And then she, she sort of pops up. This was a dream she was having. Mm-hmm. Just like Cinder's, because Cinder had the same dream, too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's weird that it was the exact same dream. Yeah, it's, and I love the her good hand. Mm-hmm. I love that, because I'm like, what good hand? We know Cinder has, like, a, one prosthetic hand, right? But what about Lavano? We don't know anything about her having a good hand versus a not good hand. So, yeah, you have to think of that. And yeah, and we know from Cinder, I'm pretty sure this is correct, that she that Lavana put Cinder in the fire, right? That's revealed like in Cinder. It, 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 yeah, it's uh, <laughs> innocent until proven guilty, but like we know she did it, right? Oh, yeah. And so it's interesting that Lavana has some kind of trauma with fire, and that's how she chose to attempt to dispose of her niece. So, hmm, she kind of made it. Like, that's why Cinder has the dream, probably because she still has like subconscious memories of the fire. So, like, this parallel was kind of created by Lavana that they would both have, like, trauma associated with fire. Yeah, absolutely. I love the parallels. Like, I'm mm-hmm. just so looking forward to spending the next six months talking about what we can and cannot see. Yeah. 
So Lavana wakes up. We're in her perspective. She's covered in sweat and her skin is still burning. And she feels like she can taste the smoke. Mm-hmm. That's weird. <laughs> I, I mean, like smelling the smoke maybe, but she can taste it. Yeah. I wonder if like, you know, because with, with glamours, they can make people feel things and taste things, smell things. Maybe because they have that power, maybe that's what makes, maybe their dreams are more intense too. Like their gift somehow. I have nothing to go off of from this. This is just my own brain being like, hmm. No, I mean, that's a good point. Maybe it makes their dreams more vivid. Yeah. I don't know. Question for Marissa, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think that what's interesting about it is that she also admits the fire's not real. She's not Mm -hmm. burning alive. She's safe. She has to remind herself that because these nightmares have been plaguing her for years. And so she has to remind herself, it's okay. It's not real. I'm perfectly Mm -hmm. safe. And it's like her her mantra. Yeah. Havana can be scared of things too, which we haven't seen very much of yet. Yeah, we haven't really seen any vulnerability in the adult Lavana, mm-hmm. but this version of Lavana, which we find out later she's 15, mm-hmm. is a lot more vulnerable. Yeah, I forgot how young she is. And or I don't remember how like how many years passed during Ferris, but like this surprised me. I'm like, what? She's only 15. Like you know, it's interesting. It's crazy to think of her as being 15. Does mm-hmm. that make her the same age as like basically the same age as like Cress and Cinder. She's like a year younger than Cress and Cinder. It's weird to think of her being younger than them at one point in time. I know. It's like hard to think of her as not like a grown evil villain. Like, yes, it's hard to like, I mean, obviously she didn't walk into the world as someone in her thirties, but like, it's hard to think (laughs) of her as like a vulnerable child or something. (laughs) So she shoves herself to the other side of the bed where it's, it's like not as sweaty can just lay back down. She calms her mm-hmm. breathing. And I, I love this description of like having a panic attack and how she tries to yeah. control it. Afraid to close her eyes, she stared up at the canopy and practiced her slow breathing until her heartbeat steadied. She tried to distract herself by planning who she would be that day. This is such mm-hmm. a great technique for panic attacks and anxiety. Try to control your mm-hmm. breathing, try to distract yourself, try to ground yourself in something that you know how to do in something that won't cause mm-hmm. you more stress or more anxiety. Yeah. When it said practice, that made me think maybe she's like told someone she has them and they've been like, oh, you should breathe this certain way. And so I don't know if that's correct, but it came off like this was something she had been taught to do. But I don't know who she would have opened up to. Maybe not necessarily that she was taught to do it, but maybe that like over the years, she found that that's what worked for her. And so every time she has this experience, she has to go through that again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say who would. It's hard to say because in this particular chapter, we're not given the impression that anyone has ever found Lavana to be precious which means no one would think to do something that would be in her best interest or to care for her in some way Mm -hmm. she doesn't seem close to anyone right so she has to figure out who she's gonna be that day a thousand possibilities floated before her she would be beautiful but there were many types of beauty skin tone hair texture the shape of one's eyes the length of a neck a well-placed freckle a certain grace in the way one walked Lavana knew a great deal about beauty, just as she knew a great deal about ugliness. Mm. Oh, she is already like obsessed with physicality. Yes. yes, very, very like vain and surface level and valuing beauty so highly. It's very resonating to me because this book came out in, um, let me double check, I think 2014. 2015. Um, And here we are 2021. And I feel like the, the like contouring and filters of physical appearance and physical beauty standards and expectations are more relevant than ever. 
Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see that visualized in another individual because we Mm -hmm. have a society that is very obsessive with what people look like. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it's always been to an extent too, just Mm -hmm. like the media makes it more widespread. I think social media makes it less, makes it feel less, less obtainable. Like, or more of I should true. say, because like when I was growing up, social media wasn't really a thing the way it is now. So like if you saw someone who looked perfect, they were in TV shows, they were on in movies, they were on magazine right. covers, they were not obtainable. Now you see like just Barbara Joe on Instagram, who's just as much an ordinary person as you or I, but she's perfect. And you see mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of these people on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. And so now it feels like it is more obtainable because if if they can make themselves look that beautiful, then the expectation is there for the rest of us as well. And it's no longer just like these celebrities that look beautiful and perfect. Now it's like everyday people that have obtained yeah. that. And so I feel like there's more pressure than ever to replicate that yeah because it's like you know you look on instagram or whatever and you'll see even like your friends it's like oh they look amazing and you know compare you can you can compare yourself a lot more because it doesn't feel as fake it's it's hard not to compare yourself right yes i look at pictures of myself when i was younger pictures of like my friends and i when we were younger and we could not have cared less There was no (laughs) posing. There was no filters. There was no, you know, get me from this angle or heavy makeup or anything. Like we were just (laughs) so chill about pictures. And uh, I I look at pictures that I take now with people and there's definite, there's definite posing. There's definitely like, Mm -hmm. we need to get the camera right at this particular spot. I've definitely yeah. been there where I'm trying to take a picture with someone and they're like, let me fix my makeup real quick. Or they want yeah. to, they found like a specific filter that they like. So like, they won't take a picture without that filter. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Like no. you do whatever you do to make yourself feel like your best self, because that's what you need in life. But it mm-hmm. does make a difference in what we have access to now. Yeah. I just, I'm like, I can just like, I don't have time to go find my best angle or my best filter. I'm like, I just don't want to bother when I could go, I don't know, read a book or do something fun. It's so funny because I'm like, I just don't, I'm not that motivated. <laughs> I ha- I have issues. <laughs> <laughs> don't we? All? I've been pretty transparent in the past about like struggling with an eating disorder and body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to like accept my face without makeup. And to accept my hair, like it's natural curly self. Because when I was in high school, it was straight, straight, straight. And so having curly hair made me other, but not in a good way. And it took me Mm -hmm. a long time to like accept those things about myself. And I think Mm -hmm. for me personally, if I started on that track again, I would just like obsess and I don't think it would be healthy for me. No, probably not. Now my mom, my mom has always loved makeup my whole life. She's loved makeup. And that's like one of her favorite parts of the day is in the morning. She will, you know, she puts on like Shania Twain and makes herself a cup of coffee and she like does her makeup. And that's like her favorite, like relaxing thing to do in the day. Like that's her, her, that's her me time moment, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think that it really just depends on how you feel when you're wearing that makeup does make does wearing that makeup make you feel like your best self does it give you confidence then wear right. that stuff girl or boy I'm totally <laughs> down with boys wearing makeup I think it's so unfair that girls are expected to wear makeup and boys can just like walk around it is really strange it's like who made this a feminine thing to care about your appearance enough it's kind of it's sad it's like I was reading an article um a little while ago that it was like 65% of women are more likely to get hired at a job if they wear makeup because that's rude. If, <laughs> if they're not wearing makeup, it sets this precedence that they don't care about their, their physical appearance. And if they don't care about mm-hmm. their physical appearance, then they're not going to put any effort into their job because they're too late. And I'm like, that is so freaking sexist. I can't right now. Like yeah, that's, that's men can just walk around with like pimples and, unibrows and like bags under their eyes and it's totally acceptable but like we have to be like perfect and blemish free to get a job or to be taken seriously yeah, that's so unfair. it's dumb 
It's so dumb. And it's like, it's one of those standards in society. Mm-hmm. And I hate it because I'm going to be looking for a job soon. So it's like, do I need to wear makeup? <laughs> I, haven't, I, I have makeup like for really special occasions, but is it like going to be a daily part of my life again? I'm probably going to have to watch mm-hmm. some YouTube videos if it is. Or like <laughs> FaceTime my mom and my sister because my sister Lindsay is great with makeup. So like I'll have to FaceTime yeah. them and be like, hey, how do I put this crap off? <laughs> makeup's been like a weird thing for me because I didn't start putting it on until I was like 14 even though like some of my friends were because I had this weird thing where I was terrified that I'd become too dependent on it and it was like I don't want to get to the point where I can't go out without it and I don't know where the fear came from but I'd seen other people who just they would not leave the house ever without putting makeup on I was like well I don't ever want to get to that point I want to be comfortable enough with who I am and what I look like to be able to go out you know without makeup on and be okay I don't know where these like deep concepts came from when I was a little <laughs> tween but apparently they were there because I was like no no makeup I'll become this vain awful person maybe I read Ferris maybe, maybe that was why maybe. I was like, um, I was like you know well, I was kind of the opposite like my mom was that I'm not getting the mail without makeup on person Oh and I did beauty pageants when I was young. And so that I would wear makeup. And when I was in high school, the big thing was like smoky eyes. So if you look at, oh. I look like a raccoon, but if you look at pictures of me from <laughs> high school, it's like smoky eyes. Like I'm wearing all kinds of makeup. Um, and mm-hmm. I used to wake up like super early and I would spend like an hour and a half straightening my hair. And I would spend like half an hour oh doing my, my makeup every day. <laughs> and it just slowly tapered off. You know, yeah, I ended up getting my first apartment when I was like 16. And so my yeah, priorities shifted. Well, good for you. I mean, that's so productive. <laughs> well, you know, to pay for an apartment, you have to work a lot. And the more I worked, the less I wanted to spend time on like my hair and makeup when I could sleep. <laughs> right? um, yeah, <laughs> That's what I am, though, because like I love makeup. Like it's so much fun. But oftentimes when I'm going somewhere, I'm like, you know what? I could be doing school in this 20-minute period that I'd be doing makeup. And so I've, like, made a rule for myself where I can't do my makeup if I could be doing something productive instead. Right. And so it's funny. I either show up with no makeup whatsoever, have not touched my face, or a full face. No in between. Don't know why. I need to find a makeup that doesn't cover my freckles because – one of the most yes, jarring things about me when I wear makeup is that you cannot see the freckles on my face. And yeah. for my husband especially, like it just it just it's like a slight moment of like this is an illusion because yeah. his wife has freckles, but this person with makeup on does not. <laughs> so anyone listening yeah. who wants to recommend a foundation that does not hide <laughs> my freckles but will hide the bags under my eyes, you hit me yeah. up, princeguyfanpot at gmail.com. <laughs> I look forward to your email. <laughs> yeah, I'm a curly haired freckled girl too. And I love all the like curly hair positivity we've had over the last couple of years because I'm like, yes, I feel seen. Yeah, I, it's funny. I had like, cur- that's not how you say that word, Shirley Temple hair Whoa. when I was little. Like, I had spirals. Yeah. And, but it's weird because I, as I got older, like I never did anything with my hair. I just like threw it around in headbands and it looked like a disaster. But as I got older, I had like a friend and she had like really silky, like straight hair. And I was like, you know what? That's how I want mine to look now. And so I, but I didn't straighten it. Oh no, I was not devoted enough to do that. I just brushed it all the time. And so therefore, (laughs) for like, three years in every picture my hair looks like a nightmare and it's like brushed and frizzy and just a disaster and it's funny because my mom the entire time was being like okay honey I don't think you need to brush your hair like it's curly you don't need to do that and I was like no but it looks good and she was like trying to be so nice about it she was like "Hmm, maybe you shouldn't and I was like I will and then it was and now I regret it. She'll be like, you know, I try to tell you and you not listen. I'm like, I know. I'm so sorry, mom. You were right the whole time. <laughs> if anything, my mom was the opposite. My mom would be like, no, go fix your hair. No. <laughs> <laughs> but my mom has very, very, very curly hair, like curlier than mine, like way curlier than oh mine. Um, so she yeah. like always knew how to deal. Mm-hmm. So... 
Lavana being obsessed with beauty, I think, is still really relevant today. And what makes me a little sad is that when she first wakes up, she thinks about beauty before she remembers Mm -hmm. that today's the funeral of her parents. (laughs) Priorities, man. I do like how, how cryptic uh marissa is she's like it was the funeral and then she wakes like two paragraphs to tell us like who the funeral is for right i mean lavana doesn't really seem to care who it's for nobody she doesn't really does. care about anybody nobody cares about these dead people so sad so sad so she's trying to think of what to glamour herself as because it's going to be exhausting to have a glamour all day so maybe she should choose something familiar And so she thinks about being her mother when she was 15 at her mother's funeral. What? That is weird. What? I I just, why? And she's like, it would be like a tribute. And I'm like, no. No. (laughs) It would be creepy, Lavana. No. And I love that her mother had like vivid violet eyes that everyone knew was a glamour, but like no one is going to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't want to go as a dead girl, you think? Because it's a little insecure, mm-hmm. right? It took her a second to realize how weird it would be, but at least she got there. She did get there. So now she tries a new costume. I like where it says that like she shifts through eye colors, like, mm, like almost like she's mm. swiping. Yeah, it's I like how it's described. It's it's fun. I love all the all kinds of like imagery and visual things. They just like satisfy me. And so hearing about this stuff, I'm like, ooh, pretty colors. I like it. Yes. So this is what she decides her look is going to be. Olive mm-hmm. skin, a graceful slope to her nose, raven black hair cut adorably short. Ooh. Striking gray blue eyes with black eyelashes and she embeds a silver jewel into the flesh right beneath her right eye. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Even in their glamour, like not the glamour of their clothing, but like even in their just like everyday glamour, there has to be a level of um, sophistication and theatricality. I mean, we saw the lunar court that one time in Crest and they looked like just so strange and bizarre. So, like, what she's doing is not even that weird compared to what a lot of them do. Very, like, right. over the and top. And the teardrop serves a purpose because it's supposed to prove yes. that she's in mourning. Why does she have to prove that she's in mourning? This is her parents' funeral. Isn't it just a given? Because she's not really in mourning. No. So here we have even more obsession with appearances. A servant brings in her breakfast and she doesn't look at Lavana. Um, the servant puts on her napkin for her on this beautiful china from Earth from several generations ago. And before she cuts them up, the servant lets Lavana look at the pastries. It's like just food presentation is, is important in appearance. This is like her random mm. breakfast every day. And before she's allowed to cut it up and eat it, she has to like take a moment and appreciate the beautiful food presentation. I'm not like knocking chefs and all the work they do. I'm sure it's gorgeous, but like it just seems exhausting. I don't know. That was so cool that you pointed that out and noticed that about it. Because like it definitely, even the little things, even the little details show something about lunar culture. Yeah, absolutely. She says to send the other one up to the servant. Every servant in the palace was the other one. It didn't matter to Lavana who the girl sent up, so long as whoever it was could properly stitch her into the sleek gray gown the seamstress had delivered the day before. Lavana didn't want to bother with glamouring her dress today in addition to her face, not with so many other thoughts in her head. It sounds like she just means like send another servant period so she's not hungry but not because she's sad about the funeral she's not hungry because of her dream maybe because she doesn't really feel any loss at the death of her parents Mm. does it say something about her or about her parents or both i mean it says that their deaths were terribly gory uh they were assassinated Mm. by a shell and yeah i don't know 
it doesn't seem like anyone felt a particular fondness for these rulers. Channery didn't, the no. kingdom didn't, and Lavana certainly didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it seems like, at least so far, all the lunar rulers have just been terrible and no one likes them, which is really sad. It is kind of terrible. Mm-hmm. The murder is pretty horrible. Oh, it's awesome. It's like a very... I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it. It's pretty... Uh, uh, okay. They were assassinated by a shell who used his invincibility against the lunar gift to sneak into the palace. The man had shot two royal guards in the head before making his way to her parents' bedroom on the third floor, killing three more guards and slitting her mother's throat so deeply the knife severed part of her spine. Oh, I am visibly gagging. It is definitely gag-worthy. He had then gone down the hallway to where her father was lying with one of his mistresses and stabbed him 16 times in the chest. The mistress was still screaming, blood spurts across her face when two royal guards found him. The shell murderer was still stabbing. Y'all, this is pretty rough stuff. It's awful. I was reading it this morning, and I was just, like, gagging. And I think my family was concerned. <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> Are you okay? Do you want some peppermint? You got to like, get upset tummy over here? <laughs> <laughs> but it also indicates how much lunars rely on their gift. A shell got this yes. close because nobody could sense them. Why couldn't you hear them or see them? Mm-hmm. Deep sleepers? <laughs> I don't know. So Lavana thinks about the color of the blood and thinks that it might make a good lipstick. Ugh. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> That's very valid. Very valid question. Hey guys, my name's Abby and I co-host the Book Life podcast with my best friend Mo. We cover fantasy, sci-fi, and historical fiction books and talk book-related topics like our favorite character types, world-building, and books versus their movies. New episodes drop every Monday on your favorite platform. Now, back to your show. So then her sister Channery shows up. I have sisters that mm-hmm. I'm super close to, so this is kind of heartbreaking, Unsettling. the relationship that they have. It's very toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it makes me really sad. Yeah. She feels like a mean girl. Definitely like the Regina George of the castle. (laughs) Yes. And then, I don't know, but it's like Lavana is like one of the only other girls there. So she's like, well, I guess I have to talk to you. And I guess she does like to taunt her. So that too. Very much. So she says, I didn't give you permission to come in. And Chandarine was like, well, maybe you should lock the door. You know, there's murderers. And Lavana says that she slithers like an eel. Interesting. Yeah, I was like, is she, my brain went to her being on the floor, and I was like, no, I don't think that's what she means. <laughs> the description was, like, so unique, and I'm like, how is she walking in that reminds her of an eel? Maybe just the way that she, like, glides without making her legs look like she's walking. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. Just, like, seamless. Mm-hmm. Like graceful, but in like a weird, almost like slimy yeah. way. Yeah. And let's talk about Levon or Channery because she does seem kind of slimy. Mm-hmm. She was a beautiful fool, though, which was the worst kind. Her sister had lovely tanned skin and dark chestnut hair and eyes that tilted up just right at the corners so that she looked like she was smiling even when she wasn't. Lavana was convinced that her sister's beauty was glamour made, certain that no one as horrible on the inside could be so lovely on the outside, but Channery would never confess one way or the other. If there was a chink in her illusion of beauty, Lavana had yet to find it. The stupid girl wasn't even bothered by mirrors. Hmm. So we already know that there's like a superstition about mirrors because you can't glamour a mirror. So you have to look at what you actually look like in a mirror. But Channery feels confident in front of mirrors, meaning her glamour probably isn't that sophisticated. She might cover a pimple here and there, but she probably is genuinely beautiful. 
Yeah. Do we, so you can cut this out. This is a spoiler. Do we know that she's Cinder's mom at this point or is that not revealed till later? No, we know that she's Cinder's mom. Okay. Yeah. I thought so. There's even that conversation from Dr. Erlon where he says that she looks exactly, that her glamour looks exactly like Channery. Yeah. But it's interesting because, you know, Channery has the tan skin, which is one of Cinder's like traits and the dark hair, which Cinder has too. So it seems like Cinder has inherited some of her natural looks from Channery too, which is interesting. That That is interesting because Cinder also doesn't use her glamour. No. No. Yeah. Channery was already dressed for the funeral though. The dull gray color of the fabric was the only indication that she was that it was made for mourning. The netted skirt jutted out nearly perpendicular to her thighs, like a dancer's costume, and the body hugging top was inset with thousands of silver sparkles. Her arms were painted with wide gray stripes spiraling up each limb, then climbing together to form a heart on her chest. Inside this heart, someone had scrawled, you will be missed. Girl, talk about extra. Mm-hmm. This is very strange. So where do your parents funeral? Like it's <laughs> this is strange to wear anywhere, but definitely your parents' funeral. <laughs> yes. This is like a weird Halloween costume. It's like tacky that she has like a heart on her chest or whatever. I was going to say gaudy. So tacky, gaudy. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. It's just... And it makes Nirvana want to gag. And I'm like, yes, me too. It's <laughs> so strange. Channery pulls at Lavana's gemstone as it's a fraudulent claim of missing them. And Channery says, I will miss father's parties on the full earth. So, you know, like we might say the full moon, meaning the night mm-hmm. moon, they say the full earth. And that's one of many, many parallels that we'll see. Yes. In all of her mother's dresses, Channery's going to miss her mother's clothes, but now she's going to take her seamstress for herself. Yep. Then she drops the bomb. She says, you're going to speak at the funeral. And Lavana's like, what? No. You, why don't you do it? Mm-hmm. Channery says, I don't think I'm strong enough. She says, perhaps I will faint and require a guard to carry me to someplace dark and quiet to recover. But then she's just like, ooh, I kind of want that one cute one to carry me. So maybe we can like, I don't know kiss in the hallway or she doesn't exactly say that but it's like seriously now you're working this into some weird flirty thing too definitely definitely working it to her advantage and all of her concerns are just about like her own happiness and joy and lavana is like Mm -hmm. you're going to be queen you should take it seriously and Channery's like, what? Our parents didn't take it seriously. They were killed by a citizen who must not have thought they were doing a very good job. Well, that's a good point. It's valid. It's, valid. Yeah. it's interesting because, like, if you look at how Lavana rules later, because, you know, obviously we know she becomes the queen instead of her sister. Eventually, she is a pretty good, like... Or not a good ruler. She's obviously a terrible person, doesn't care about anybody. But like power wise, she's not lazy like her no, sister. She definitely like, she doesn't sit the around. role of queen very seriously. Yes. I mean, which is interesting. She's evil and she has these like very archaic practices and brutal mm-hmm. savage trials co- like filled with just like blood and destruction and maiming mm. people. But like her focus is her people and everything that she does in her mind i should i should clarify in lavana's mind everything that she does is to better serve her people that's why she wants earth supposedly because she wants access to all of earth's resources or she uses her planet or her people as a cover-up for just her wanting power we don't really know which one is really her priority but not channery channery wants to be known as the queen who never stops laughing which, like, sounds like a good thing, but when you know who's saying it, it's not. I mean, like, okay, I get that you would want to be, like, a queen that people remember as being, like, happy, you know. Um, but she doesn't mean it as, like, I want to look happy and give my subjects a reassuring smile. She means it as, like, I'm a party girl and that's what I want people to remember me as. Mm-hmm. You know? Great. Great. Good Shannon. job, girl. 
<laughs> Channery points out that there are no mirrors in Lavana's room, and she pretends to forget why. Mm. Quick as a viper, Channery backhanded Lavana across the face, sending her stumbling into one of the bedposts. Mm. She loses control of her glamour, and Channery says, Ah, there's my ugly duckling. Oh, it's awful. It's cringy. So she grabs Lavana by the chin and says, I suggest you remember this the next time you think to contradict one of my orders. As you have so kindly reminded me, I am going to be queen and I will not tolerate my commands being questioned, especially by my pathetic little sister. You will be speaking for me at the funeral. And then she like throws Lavana by, like she just lets her go. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. Oh my god, this is such a toxic relationship. Like, also, I hate Lavana. I do not want to feel bad for her, but like, tugging at my heartstrings here. Yes, and it's interesting because, like, what Channery said, it sounds like something Lavana would say later when she's queen. Like, she doesn't usually lose control like that, but when she does, she sounds like this. Like, she. I don't know. She usually doesn't really grab people because she's too, like... It's beneath her to touch people. She has thaumaturges for that. Right. But it's, like, the way she says, like, I am queen and you would do well to follow my orders. Like, that is something that I can hear our Queen Lavana that we know saying. So it's interesting that, like, this is her abuser, but but you can see the impact she's had on her, at least, at least from what I've seen. Yeah, I agree. And it'll be interesting for us as the reader to track how that Mm -hmm. progresses and changes over time. Lavana is trying desperately to hide her disfigurements. She pretends that she's beautiful. She tries to recall her glamour. She looks over and there's a maid in the doorway who saw everything. But she doesn't really have time to deal with it because Channery tells her to get dressed because they have a very big day. Um, and that's actually where we're going to end our, our chapter discussion. We'll read more next week. But we've got a very good insight into Lavana, Chanry, the kingdom, and the dynamics um, that this lunar aristocracy has, even just in these first three pages. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about your song choice for this one. Oh, okay. So... I'm not, like, a huge music person. Like, I love music, but I don't, like, know a lot of artists. I don't have a very well-rounded grasp of music or anything. Um, So I kind of, like, scrolled through all my playlists and was like, hmm, I don't really see anything. So I started just kind of looking up different kinds of songs. And, you know, I kind of decided, like, what kind of theme I wanted my song to convey. Because I want to do something unique from what you did. So I... I found one that's called Ugly on the Inside by The Main, which I've never listened to any of their music. <laughs> I'd never heard this song. Um, but I found it, and I was like, ooh, these lyrics are really perfect from the part of it that I kind of wanted to look for. So some of the lyrics, the, so the chorus is, on the outside you are gorgeous, on the outside you are fair. Oh, you can change your face, but it's a waste of time because it just because it don't change the fact that you're ugly on the inside and so there was one line in this chapter in this part of I guess not chapter but this part of the book where Lavana said she couldn't believe that someone that ugly on the inside could be as beautiful as Channery and so I thought that it fit very well especially because also Lavana is thinking about her own beauty and concealing her physical ugliness. And we know that eventually she becomes ugly on the inside too. But I thought it kind of showed how Lavana felt about her sister. Well, and it's a, it's a fun song. I listened to it and I was like, Oh, this is fun. So I thought it was a good fit. one. So I often try Thank to you. think of songs right away. Like while I'm reading, I try to think of songs. And the one mm-hmm. that came to my mind is The Funeral by Band of Horses, which is a fantastic song. The lyrics are amazing, of course, and I always try to find a way for the lyrics to fit. Yeah, definitely. The lyrics that I think sort of 
connect with this particular one is morning to wake is all we got. And to know me hardly golden is to know me all wrong. So I think that Mm. these people present themselves in such a way that you always know them wrong because you only see them when they're golden. You only see them when they're using their glamour. Mm -hmm. So you don't know what they look like when nobody's there. Yeah. The name of it and the lyrics. Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) And the tone, like if you listen to the song itself, like I can hear it in the background, you know, like the the beat and the vibe that the song gives, I think also plays a very important role in this type of chapter. Because also I could see it playing like after... Like if this were a TV episode, I could see Channery being like, we have a big day ahead of us. And then that song would play and it would be the credits, you know? Yes. So that was that, that was my song choice. And Patreon members will get to go on patreon.com slash princekaithampod and vote for which one of those they choose. What was your chapter quote? Okay, so it's a little bit, it's a little bit long. Is it okay yes, if I read please it? read anyway. the whole thing. Go for it. Okay, because you did already read this one, but that's okay. (laughs) Okay, so it says, she tried to distract herself by planning who she would be that day. It's on page 10 in my ebook, but I don't know what it is in the normal book. Um, And then a thousand possibilities floated before her. She would be beautiful, but there were many types of beauty. Skin tone, hair texture, the shape of one's eyes, the length of a neck, a well-placed freckle, a certain grace in the way one walked. Lavana knew a great deal about beauty, just as she knew a great deal about ugliness. Oh, it was, it's so, I don't know, it leaves you with kind of, what do you say to that? Like a mic drop kind of moment? Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, yeah very much fits with the Lavana that we know from you know, the rest of the series. And it's interesting that she can kind of appreciate the different types of beauty there are rather than just being like, oh, this is beautiful and this is, you know, the only image I want to show. Like, no, she appreciates that uniqueness can be beautiful too, which is strange that she would appreciate it. But I guess someone so pre- someone who values beauty that highly would appreciate different types of beauty. But I just thought it was a really well-written and just like good character development kind of passage. Yeah, I think it's a great way to describe the Lavana that we know in this chapter. Mm-hmm. So mine was Lavana blinked back the tears that had sprung up and scrambled to reinstate her illusion, to hide her disfigurements, to pretend she was beautiful too. You know, along the same lines of what you were saying, Lavana is incredibly vulnerable in this chapter in a way that we've never mm-hmm. seen before. Who can't relate to a moment when you wanted to feel beautiful, but you just didn't see that within yourself? And obviously it's not because I have mm-hmm. disfigurements or <laughs> my glamour doesn't work, but I, I definitely feel the intimidation of wanting to be beautiful. And like one of my, my sisters are all extremely Mm -hmm. attractive. Like my sister, Lindsay is 5'11 with blonde hair and blue eyes. And she has these insanely long (laughs) eyelashes and like big lips. And I'm like, what (laughs) happened? Like, (laughs) you know? Yes. No, I get that (laughs) because I, (laughs) I look different. I mean, like my siblings and I, like you can tell kind of by our faces that we're like, you know, brothers and sisters, but, but I'm like the, the weird looking one kind of like, I'm kind of the odd one out looks wise and well, personality wise too. I'm very extra. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm the only one with curly Same. hair. All which, of my sisters have like fine, thin, straight yes. hair. And I have this thick curly hair. Yes. yes. And I like my curly hair. So I'm okay with yeah. that. Like, it's you know the one feature that I'm like okay I like this but um yeah they have like I have like a different color because mine's like brown with like kind of red in it a little bit and they have like dirty blonde kind of and it's like straight and not curly and then like they all have blue eyes and I have kind of hazel brownish green eyes and I have freckles and they don't and stuff like that so it's like 
kind of the odd one out, but it's okay because I, I like being unique, so it's fine. <laughs> and obviously, my sisters are like a lot nicer to me than Channery is, but like I think it's really easy yes, to see the so. beauty in the people that we love. Like my sister Lindsay, my sister Samantha oh, has this yeah. like beautiful complexion, like no pimples, no blemishes, no bags under her eyes. Um, and she's got like these, <laughs> this, you know, how some people when they smile, they have like this big, ignatic smile that like just like lights up the people around them like and I always like Uh I mean I'm adopted like we don't have the same dad we have the same birth mom and I look I look exactly like my birth mom except I have a tiny nose and she's got like that big Jewish nose (laughs) the stereotypical Uh Jewish nose you know um and she's quite a bit curvier Mm -hmm. than I am but otherwise like I look so much like my mom it's crazy um and so like I look at my mom sometimes and I'm just like but like you're still prettier than me you know I kind of get the intimidation of like everyone around you is beautiful and like you just kind of want to be beautiful too and I think that's one of the hardest Mm -hmm. things is trying to find the beauty that you have like I'm the only one that has Mm. curly hair so I'm grateful for that and I have um I have green hazel eyes, which is green is like only 2% of the population has green eyes. And I'm like, okay, I get green eyes. Um, You know, I'm really short. Everybody else got to be tall. Um, (laughs) But they, everybody, you know, I have the tiny nose. I can be grateful for a cute, tiny nose. Um, (laughs) You know, I have lots of freckles and my siblings have moles, but they don't have freckles. So... Yeah, but I don't have freckles. Yeah, I have a lot of freckles, especially on my face, which when I was a kid, my mom would call them angel wings. That's so cute. But I think this is just a great way of allowing us to have these types of conversations where we can talk and say, isn't it crazy? Like how insane and different the world is because this is a princess on the moon who is in this horrible toxic relationship with her physically abusive sister. I don't have that, but I have moments where I Mm -hmm. feel envious of other people and their physical appearances. And something that I've started doing over the last year or so is I, I don't remember a lot, but I read this article and it was like, you should never say you're jealous. You should say you're happy. And I've started to do that a lot. Like anytime someone says something and I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous of you. I stop myself and I say, I'm so happy for you. Oh, that's beautiful. It sets this tone. It gives you an opportunity to reframe how you think and how you feel and to tell that person that it's a good thing. So like if my friend goes to a Taylor Swift concert, Uh instead of saying, I'm so jealous because of course I want to go. I get to say I'm so happy for you because what they're getting to experience, the reason I'm jealous is because that thing would also bring me happiness. And so I try now to say that I'm so happy for people because I am. The thing that I'm envious of is the happiness Mm -hmm. that they get to feel. And the only way that I get to be a part Mm -hmm. of that is if I take away my own selfish reasons for sharing that to be happy for them. Yes, because then you both like... Saying you're jealous, like if people say they're jealous of me, I feel like horribly guilty. I'm always just like, oh no. I'm like, my happiness is making you upset. That's this image in your head where you want to apologize, but you don't have anything to apologize for. Yes, exactly. And when they say they're happy for you, then you can both have something positive. And there's a whole article about like how to change the way you think about things. Like instead of saying, I'm sorry, I'm late. You would say like, thank you for waiting for me. Ooh, that's such a good, that's never thought of that. That's awesome. That's awesome that you're trying to like rework how you think though. I love that. So great for me to like try and find ways to make my life like just so much better. Like if somebody tries to correct you instead of saying like, oh, I'm sorry, you would say like, thanks, good catch. Ooh, I love that. Constructive criticism. If someone says like, I'm sorry, you know, instead of saying like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't get that right. You would say, thank you for the helpful tip. It's always Mm -hmm. like just better Mm -hmm. to say thank you. So instead of being like, oh, I'm so sorry, I must have rambled on. You would say, thank you for listening to me. And instead of saying like, I'm sorry, I took up so much of your time. You would say, thank you for spending time with me today. So it's like all about just trying to rephrase the things that are usually negative that we get so used to saying that we don't realize that it can cause a negative 
um, an interchangeable negative intonation for us and for the person that we're talking to. And so instead, let's try to make it as positive as possible. Absolutely. I love that so much. Yeah, because I'm an optimist. I'm a type yeah. 7 on the Enneagram. Yeah, Enneagram. Um, of course, I had a brain. <laughs> um, and, and we, as it's it's interesting because 7s are optimists. Like, we're happy people. We're positive And, you know, I have, you know, quite a few people be like, oh, yeah, you're positive. And it's like, it's true. But the thing about 7s is that we're positive because we don't know what to do with negativity. Like, we our worst fear is like getting stuck in like negativity and not being able to get out of it and getting stuck in different things. And so it's like, I'm happy because you're, I'm positive because I have to be like, if I'm not happy, my world's falling apart and like, I don't know what to do. So things like that can make a huge difference. And, you know, it can, if someone's having a really difficult day, like saying you're jealous of them for something is not going to help them at all. But if you're saying you're happy for them and like, you want to hear more about it and you both can benefit, like you can, you can make a big difference, especially for people like me who like, you know, are sensitive and any negative thing can like kind of bring them down. And I mean, anyone can. But- for me, like any negative thing, I'm yeah, like just like- spiral. Yes, like, especially if it has to do with yes. guilt, it's like, that can, yeah, it's awful. It's like, it can ruin your whole day, and you just go, oh, I did this, 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 <laughs> Sometimes it lasts a while. Yeah, I dwell on it forever. Okay, it's like, such oh, a great so opportunity, sorry. because now you're allowing that person to to celebrate, to be happy in the thing that they want to be happy about, and you get yeah. to experience it with them. And that brings it you closer is. too. Oh so, yeah, you know you can't, you can't really be close to someone who, whenever you're happy, they're just like oh, I'm jealous. Like that's that's hurtful, and it's you're not going to want to share anything with them if that's how they're going to react. So I mean, it's it's think about the conversations you have with people that you don't realize are toxic. Like it took me a long time to notice certain things, oh, but like my husband would yeah. point it out, or Ashley would point it out because she's so observant. Um, and so people that I didn't know were being rude to me were being rude to me. Like they would ask me how I was doing, but like before I could even answer, they'd be like, let me guess you're busy with school. Right. And then they would just like move on from the conversation. And I was just like, oh, they know me so well. Cause they know I'm busy. And Ashley was like, no, they're rude. Yeah. She was like, do not let people <laughs> talk to you like that. And I was like, what? And she was like, that's rude. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're busy with school is always your answer. If somebody asked how you're doing, they, you deserve their, the moment where they let you respond to that question. Otherwise they don't care how you're doing. And if someone doesn't care how you're doing, why are you talking to them? Yeah. That's good that you assume the best. And like, I think she's also correct in being like, "Mm, that's not good, but like both sides are good to have like the realist and the person who's like, well, you know, they probably didn't mean it. Yeah, I always try to see the best in people because like I said, I can I can yes, negative spiral pretty quickly. And so um, I try yes. to think <laughs> about like the most positive way. And like, I, I think I make my husband feel bad sometimes because I'm like, oh my God, that's so romantic. And he's like, the bar is set really low, right? Um, and I'm like, yeah, but that <laughs> means that like, you're always, you know, I love when people are thoughtful. My husband went out to lunch with one of his friends today yes, and he brought me yes. home food. Yay, and he's food. like, it's just food. And I'm like, no, it's thoughtful. You thought of me. You knew I was at home. You knew I was busy. You knew I probably hadn't eaten yet. And you were like, I'll bring her home some food. See, we hopeless romantics because I'm also one. We have to like find the romance. Right? And I think everything romantic, like it doesn't have to be with my husband. Like my best friend lives in Aww. Nebraska and I'm trying to plan a trip so I can go see her. And Quentin ruined yes. the surprise. I was gonna like show up at her door with like flowers. And be like, hey, um, <laughs> so now she knows there's no surprise, but we didn't tell her. Things. So I'm gonna like show up really late at night after they've gone to bed, and then like when they wake up, I'm just gonna be like, "Hey, I'm here. Here's some donuts." Like, we freak them out. I'm excited about that. That's no, fantastic. Been so cute. I if I just like showed up at her door with like flowers and was like, "Hey, girl," like, yeah. oh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, surprises are I love surprises. Especially when it's someone you're yes. close to. 
Yeah, I'm the same way. I love, I love surprises. And I just love when people think of me. Like, I get people that message yes. me all the time. And they're like, I'm so sorry to message you. And I'm like, I'm not sending me all the messages. I'm so glad that you're enjoying the podcast and that you thought of me. I will always message you back. Yes. Sometimes it might take me a day or two because I do have <laughs> yes, a lot going on. But I will always message you back. Yeah, you're very you're like you've always responded to all the stuff you. I'm like, wow, this is so cool <laughs> talking to this podcaster person. I'm a real person, and I just like try to treat people the same way. Like, I had a girl message me this weekend, um, and it was like three paragraphs long, and she's like, "I'm so sorry for the long message," and I'm like, "It's fine. I'm happy you I'm messaged me." I love that you're such a. Good I try really hard to be like just if I feel like if I am positive, then I'm putting that positivity into the world, and hopefully it'll come back to me. Oh, definitely, yes, and even just like you're making the podcast a positive thing, and like, what's the point of making it if it's not going to well, be a positive thing? Well, you never know thing. when that's what someone really needs to hear. Yes, you know. You never know when yes. like that moment, maybe they're having a really bad day and your message to them just like change shifted everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or just like a highlight of their day. Be happy and <laughs> share happiness. That is, that Yay, is the happiness. It is. <laughs> so for this week, there were four Easter eggs. The bonus word a hair appeared six times. And that was all the bonus words. Next week, please read pages 13 and 30, 13 and 30, 13 to 30 from crown symbol to crown symbol. Just those pages. <laughs> Madeline, where can people find you on social media if they would like to do so? Oh, um, I am not like super active on any social media because um, it's it can be very addicting and then I'm like all upset because, you know, I spent however many hours on there and it's this whole thing. So... I'm not very active on much. I have Instagram, um, but my account is like one of those private ones. But hang on, let me get on Instagram because I do have like a photography account and I can share that. So it is, it's called Spice It Up Photography and there are no like spaces or anything. Um so that one is fun because I want to be like a <laughs> photographer. So that'd be cool if people could see my stuff because my personal one is just like for my friends and family and stuff right. to follow me. So that would be cool. <laughs> so listeners, you can go follow her. Follow her. Oh my gosh, I cannot. I cannot talk today. <laughs> okay, you can go okay. follow <laughs> Madeline on Instagram. Also, please follow the podcast at PrinceYPM Pod. Rate, review, and subscribe. Check out the Patreon for a chance to be a guest on an episode and more fun perks. If you can't join Patreon but you still want to support the podcast, consider going to Coffee, where you can leave a one-time tip. Ooh. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So until next time, keep reading, keep listening, and don't get glamored. Don't get glamored. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Fairest by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Patreon member Madeline. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.